Turn to Philippians chapter 4. We come to the final chapter of the book of Philippians this morning, and uh, it's been a blessing to me as we've been in this book for several weeks now. We've seen uh, Paul's teaching. Of course, it's the Lord's instruction to the church there regarding unity, the need for unity within the church, and that was the context, unity within the church, not uh, we took care to point out Paul wasn't teaching and encouraging unity with every kind of error everywhere, but, but unity within, uh, within the church assembly. And then he, he wrote of his desire and care, his desire to, to care for the church there, his desire to send Timothy, and his desire to be there himself, and his desire to send Epaphroditus, uh, his desire to care for them. And of course, that's an example of love. We saw his, his loving warning last Sunday morning, uh, regarding the Judaizers, those that uh, sought to creep into the church there and to draw them back into the, the old system that had expired, that they had been saved uh, out of. And um, he wrote, of course, about the, the danger of being sort of lulled into reliance upon religion uh, over a personal relationship with Christ. And of course, we revisited that topic on Wednesday night in 1 Samuel chapter 4 also. This morning, uh, Paul is winding down this letter to the church at Philippi. And, and Rich, he's got a number of things on his mind, it would seem. These are kind of a collection of final instructions, uh, final teachings. And course they're on his mind because the Holy Spirit put them there right he understood that uh, the Lord had revealed to him that the church at Philippi needed some uh, instruction in a variety of areas and of course the Lord has as we so often say preserved this book for us because well we need the same thing uh, we're we're not different than a first century church really right brother Art, we have a little more technology for sure and a little more history for sure but at the end of the day, we're, we're people, same as people in the first century were, struggling with many of the same things, uh, the same sin nature and so forth. And uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm encouraged by that. You've got to stop and think about that. We're really not that different at all from when you, when you strip away the technology and uh, the history. We're, we, we could be people sitting in the Philippian church in the first century, right? It, we could just as easily be there today. And our spiritual needs... Brother Steve, they'd be the same, right? Um, regardless of when we're born, our spiritual needs as individuals are the same. Salvation and um, all the teaching for believers after salvation. And the needs of churches really haven't changed much at all, right? We're, uh, we have the same spiritual practical needs today that churches in the first century have. And so uh, the Lord's preserved this letter for us also. And the, the collection of things that we see here are very relevant uh, for us, uh, just as relevant for us this morning as for the church at Philippi. I want to I wanna just look at the first verse and make an observation here, and then I'll stop and pray, and we'll, uh, we'll dig in here. So look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. Aren't you glad this morning for your Bible? Aren't you glad this morning for your Bible? Wow. Uh, Paul writes under inspiration, he says, Therefore, therefore, my uh, brethren... Dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. They were dear to him. Boy, his, his church family there that was dear to him. But I want you to see two things here. He says, therefore. So if he's saying therefore, think about how you would use the word therefore. Uh, you wouldn't just say it out of, out of nowhere, right? You would, you would make a statement, and then you would say, well, okay, therefore, based on that, I want to say this. That's, that's how you would use that word, right? Well, Paul's not using it any differently. Uh, we're not, this is not the first verse of, of the letter. Uh, it's the fourth chapter, and he, he's just said some things at the end of chapter 3 that are wonderful and encouraging and important. And he says, okay, based on that, therefore, uh, dearly beloved, long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the who? In the Lord, uh, persevere, stay close to him, persevere in your walk with him. Don't get, uh, don't, don't 
uh, get sloppy in your walk with the Lord. Be very intentional. You, uh, you intentionally persevere in your walk with the Lord. You, you do all that you can to stay close to him and stand fast uh, in these great truths. Well, well, what is the great truth that this statement's based on? Go back, look at the end of chapter 3, okay? Uh, these these uh, two verses at the end of chapter 3, they're, they're awesome. They're, they're wonderful. Uh, he says in verse 20, for our conversation, now I said last week that word's often used in scripture to refer to our manner of living or our behavior, uh, our lifestyle. This word's different. The underlying word here is a political word. Uh, I know we try to avoid being political, but this is a political word. It has the idea of citizenship. It has the idea of citizenship. So he says, for our conversation, our, our citizenship, our true citizenship, uh, where, where we're heading, where we really belong, what's really home for us uh, is where? He says, in where? Heaven. That's what he says. For our, our conversation, our citizenship is in heaven. Whatever's here is here. It's not our future. It's our present. I understand that. And it's not that it doesn't matter. Uh, it does matter. We need to pray for our leaders and pray for our country and pray for people around the world. That We're commanded to do all that. It's not that it doesn't matter at all. But at the end of the day, what really matters more than anything is that, hey, we're citizens of heaven, and that's where we're heading as believers. He says, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, is he going to return? Is he going to return? Amen. He is. The rapture, could it be any moment now? It could be any moment now. Would you be surprised if it was today? Don't be. <laughs> Don't be. There's nothing that prevents that. And wouldn't that solve some problems? <laughs> wouldn't that solve some problems? You understand this morning, Lord Jesus Christ is the ultimate answer to every problem, right? What does it say out here on the board? It says Christ is the answer. I just can't bring myself to take it down. I might leave it there forever, brother. No matter what the question is, no matter what the problem is, at the end of the day, Christ is the answer. Isn't that good? It's just true. Uh, it's true. And no matter what spiritual problem, emotional problem, practical problem you have, you can open your Bible and find God's answer written to believers, to those who are in Christ. You find God's answers uh, for everything, for people who are in Christ, for people who are saved. It's just true. It's just true. Uh, we, we look for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to return. Uh, I understand it's a two-part return. He'll come and rapture. He'll catch away believers. There'll be seven-year tribulation period, and then he'll come back with us. But this verse 21 talks about the first part, right, the rapture. When he comes for us, he'll change our, our what? Vile bodies, uh, body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. This body, which you may have noticed is not perfect. Is yours perfect, by the way? Uh, Brother Art, we look forward to resurrection bodies, right? Perfected, incorruptible. Uh, can you even imagine? Can you imagine what that'll be like? Wow. Um, that's our hope, and it, it's a certain hope. The Lord is coming. Uh, he'll catch us away to that place, which is where our true citizenship is. We'll have perfected resurrection bodies, never get tired, sick, older, I didn't say old, older, broken down, er, <laughs> none of that, right? Not, not any of that. Uh, that. That's our hope. And what kind of hope is it, church? Certain hope. Certain hope. Now, that's, that's wonderful truth, and, and this is, you know, verses, chapter 3, verses 20, 21, really capture the hope of believers. If you've repented of sin in your life and, and placed your faith in Christ, receiving him as your Savior, that hope is your hope, right? It's true, right? Am we making it up? No, that's just a fact. If you've not come to Christ, that's not for you. Uh, I'm sorry, but... but the Bible permits no other option for someone who's refused Christ than, than hell, right? It's just a fact. We don't like it, but we have to teach it, preach it, because it's as true as our hope is true. Um, but if, if there's been a time where you've confessed, hey, I'm a sinner, and, and you've turned to Christ, repented from sin, and, and turned to him and, and placed your faith in him for forgiveness of your sin, you're saved, and verses 20 and 21 are for you. 
Amen. Amen. Now, it's, it's on the basis of that, right? That's the, that's the da-da-da-da-da, and then, therefore, this other stuff, right? So he says in, in verse 4, therefore, based on that statement, that, that hope, uh, verses 20 and 21, he says, my brethren, dearly beloved, and longed for, my joy and crown, he says, so what? Stand fast. You, you, you persevere. You stick it out this side of heaven, knowing that no matter how bad it gets here, uh, here is not where we're staying. We're heading toward home where our Savior is and where everything will be absolutely 100% good and right and just, yes, just, uh, and perfect in every way. Can you imagine? We, that's what we have to look forward to. Therefore, my dearly beloved and long for my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Now, I've, I've read this chapter a number of times and, and read what a, lot of, what a lot of folks have written. And they tend to treat uh, verse 1 as a very separate command from the, the sort of string of commands and statements of encouragement that you see here in the rest of the chapter. But I think, I think this verse here is kind of a controlling idea for the chapter. This, this sort of controlling command here, stand fast in the Lord. Don't allow yourself to slip back or draw back. Don't get sloppy in, in your daily spiritual uh, exercises. Uh, stay close, serve, be in the Bible, be a person of prayer. Uh, be very, very... Uh, intentional about standing fast, persevering, staying close to uh, the Lord. Don't get sloppy. Certainly don't draw back uh, away from your faith. And then he goes on and, and he says, listen, I, he, he gives a, a command and a command and a command. He builds up this sort of ladder of commands. But I think, I think that they are largely based on this first thing that we see here. How important, church, is it to stand fast in the Lord? I mean, is there a temptation to draw back? Is there ever a temptation to draw back, get sloppy in your, in your walk with the Lord, in your spiritual life? Do you struggle with that? Pastors do. Pastors do. Don't, don't church, other church members, we're just church members, right? Uh, don't other church members struggle with that temptation? Every day, is, it, you have choice, right? I, I, can, I can do what I need to do, stay close to the Lord, or I can kind of just live my life today, just kind of live my day, kind of like a lost person, right? Kind of ignoring the Lord, ignoring his word, ignoring his call to talk to him in, in, in prayer. You have that decision every day, right? And there's great temptation to just kind of do the latter. Lord says, no, listen, you're, that's, that's not for you. You're, you're, you're a citizen of heaven on your way to heaven. Stand fast in the Lord. And in doing that, do these other things. Stay close to the Lord. Find strength and grace in him and, and, and be in the business of doing these other things here as someone who's standing fast in the Lord, yielded to him, close to him, looking to him for grace and strength to live the life of a believer, one whose true citizenship is in heaven. And he goes on and he gives a number of imperatives, a commands, a series of commands for those who will stand fast in the Lord. Let me ask you this question. If you stay close to the Lord, uh, can you keep going on when things get really tough? Can you? You can, right? I'm looking forward to Wednesday night, some of the, the short testimonies the men are going to give, because I know some of them are, are going are gonna to be that. Hey, listen, uh, the Lord's allowed me to go through a really tough year or even a couple of years, but I've stayed close to him, and look where I am. I'm, I'm fine. There may be physical challenge, but spiritually and emotionally, I'm doing fine. I've not collapsed in a heap of anxiety, or uh, I've, I've not drawn away from the Lord. I've not allowed myself to get angry at him and, uh, and therefore run away from him back into things. No, you don't have to do that. You re if you'll stay close to the Lord, you find grace, you find strength in him to continue on. Isn't that, isn't that encouraging? It really is. It's not just something we say. It's something that even in a small church like ours, you see that. You, you see that in each other's lives. It's, it's as real as the person next to you or 
six feet socially distanced from you, amen? It's that real. You see it, you see the reality of it in our church. Well, there's, there's a number of things here that uh, the Lord through Paul commands the church at Philippi and, and this church here in Connecticut uh, to, to be uh, in the business of if, if we're people who are standing fast in the Lord. I'm going to pray, and we'll jump in here and see, see some of these things this morning. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you this morning for who you are, for what you're like, Lord, for uh, giving us your words. Father, thank you for sending your only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, to make that final perfect sacrifice upon the cross uh, for our sins. Thank you for the, the certainty that anyone who would repent turn uh, from sin to him, placing uh, faith that you give us upon Christ and the cross, we're forgiven. Our sins are covered and removed, and uh, we no longer suffer uh, eternal consequences, the, the possibility of eternal consequences for sin, but we have the certain hope of heaven, uh, which is our true home. Lord, we understand this morning there's a temptation to draw back, to pull away from these truths, and uh, to live as the people we were before we came to Christ. Help us. Lord, help us, please, to not do that, but to stand fast in Christ our Savior, close to him, uh, doing our part to stay close to him, to uh, stay humble, to stay repentant, to stay reliant, to stay faithful. Lord, we understand this morning you make that possible. And so I thank you for that this morning. And I thank you, Lord, that if we'll do our part, if we'll uh, choose to stand fast in you, Lord, we find grace and strength to do these things that you have called us to in the balance of this passage. Lord, help us to get a hold of these things this morning. I know that we will benefit personally and corporately as a church, and you'll be honored and glorified if, if we'll take up these things and seek grace in you to obey you in, in these areas. Help me now, Father. I need your help. I thank you for it this morning. ask that you work here now in this church uh, for your honor and your glory, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Are you ready, church? Okay, make some notes, please. Number one, uh, Paul called the church to stand fast in Christ uh, and, and to, uh, I've, changed it, I've changed my notes a little bit this morning, so bear with me. He called them to stand fast in Christ uh, and to maintain right relationships, uh, right relationships with each other. Uh, Paul understood uh, and, and so, so do we as well. We can't have the kind of unity that he's talked about in this letter unless we take care to maintain day in and day out right relationships with each other one-on-one. -on -one. Church can't have unity uh, corporately unless the individual members uh, are, are united and stay reconciled to each other. I understand that's hard at times. Sometimes there has to be forgiveness. Uh, and if you'll humble yourself before the Lord, he does give us grace to forgive each other. And sometimes you've got to take care to go and do your part when someone's offended you. You've got to go and lovingly say that as, as Christ has commanded and taught us to do. Uh, Paul addresses two people here in verse 2. Uh, they're female names, and so uh, we'll assume they're ladies. He says, I beseech Euodius uh, and beseech uh, Syntyche uh, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Uh, what does it mean to be in the same mind in the Lord? Well, that they, uh, whatever, whatever it was that had gotten between them that caused them to have a difference of opinion, uh, Paul says, listen, uh, and he's addressing individuals. <laughs> Some would say, I, I don't know, should, uh, should Paul do that? Should he call out these two individuals uh, in this inspired letter that would be preserved uh, down through the ages, even, even to 2020, and uh, it'd be read even in a church in Trumbull, Connecticut in, in November of 2020. Was it, was it kind? Was it right to call out these two individuals? Well, the Holy Spirit gave these words, right? Uh, Paul, Paul, sure enough, is addressing two ladies in that church in writing uh, very publicly, and saying, "Listen, don't don't you be don't you be of different mind, uh, don't don't you allow yourselves to continue uh, to to be unreconciled to each other, to continue in whatever kind of skirmish had 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 risen up in their lives and caused them to be at odds with each other." He says, uh, "Gary, he says, nuh-uh, 
Don't, don't let that happen. You're, you're, you can't be right with the Lord. Your church can't be right with the Lord uh, if, if you two ladies are not right with each other. That's a fact. Um, and it's not, it could be two men also, right? It happens to be two ladies here, but it could be two men or, or a man and a lady. It doesn't matter. Uh, if we'll not choose to be right with each other, we can't be right with the Lord. We can't have the kind of unity uh, that the Lord wants us to have. He says, uh, he, he calls them out. He says, be of the same mind in the Lord. Well, the fact that they're both in the Lord means that they're both saved, right? And that's the basis upon which they could be reconciled. They, they could both get down on their knees and pray, Lord, help us to be reconciled. Uh, they could humble themselves before the Lord and, and find grace to forgive each other if that's what was needed. Uh, no matter what, they could go prayerfully to the Lord uh, and seek his help to be reconciled. And then they could humbly, lovingly come together uh, and work it out for their good, for the good of the church, and for the glory of God. Can we do the same thing today? Can we? Can we? Do we ever need to? We do. Let's be honest. We do. Uh, we do. Maybe there was a, a, a situation there in the church where those ladies were just kind of, you know, not dealing with it, not, not doing what Christ had said. If one was offended, that one had refused to go to the other and, and say, hey, I'm offended and work it out. Maybe, maybe they were trying to sweep it under the rug. What happens when you keep sweeping stuff under the rug? What happens? What happens? Eventually, you trip over the rug, right? That's what happens, right? You get a lump under there, you trip over it, or other people start tripping over it. Um, don't, don't be fooled this morning. If you are not right with someone else in the church, that's going to affect the church as a whole. Amen? Don't, don't think that it won't, because it will. If you're not right with someone in the church, don't think that that's not going to poison the body. Uh, if two of your organs are at, at uh, c conflict with each other, brother doctor, brother doctor, work with me here, okay? If, if two of your organs are warring against each other in your body, uh, your body is not going to be functioning well as a whole, is it? I don't know if I have a real good exa specific example, but that just makes sense to me. You'll not be well if, if, uh, if you have a an autoimmune condition where your body is attacking some of your organs. The body as a whole is not going to be doing well, right? Uh, the same thing applies in a church. If two of the members are, are warring at each other, uh, it will affect your walk with God and it will affect the church as a whole. And so Paul understands how serious this is. He calls them out by name in this inspired letter that would be preserved down through the ages. Uh, it's, that, it's that serious, and so uh, we need to take it that seriously as well. I don't know this morning if, if there's a problem between any of our church members. I don't think this morning I'm aware of anything particular, but, you know, if, 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 if your relationship with someone in the church is not right this morning, I would encourage you to pray <laughs> and then go to that person and, and talk it out and work it out uh, for your benefit, for the Lord's glory, and, and for the the loving benefit of brothers and sisters um, in Christ. Um, Paul also calls, uh, in this sense of right relationships, look at verse 3. He says, I, I entreat thee also, uh, true yoke fellow, fellow workers, uh, help those women. So here's women again. By the way, uh, God cares about women. Amen? Let's say amen. Women are not any less important to God than men are. Uh, Paul's address to women, as the Holy Spirit has led him to, uh, and here in verse 3, the Holy Spirit has led Paul to write about uh, care uh, and help for the women who had helped him at the church at Philippi, uh, no doubt in getting the church established and up and running, and they, they had served with Paul, and he's writing back to the church saying, hey, don't ignore those women. Uh, they might need some help along the way here. Church, you, you help those women who have been so helpful to me uh, and to you, the Lord cares about women. I understand he has different roles and responsibilities and duties uh, for men and women, but the Lord doesn't care any less about women than he does about men. Reject that idea that, oh, that ba Baptist, you know, they, they think God doesn't care about women. That's, that's baloney. That's the theological term. I can't spell it, but I can say it. B-O-L-O-G-N-A. 
Right, thank you, Zachary. I entreat thee also, verse 3, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored. The underlying word there has the idea of striving together as a team. Uh, I don't know what, what team sport you, you like, uh, but, but consider how the members of a given team must work together in order to win a game. Uh, I'm not a super big football fan, but I'm required by law to watch the Buffalo Bills when I can, having grown up in that part of the world. And if the team is not working together toward a common goal, their goals are not achieved. They're just not, right? Same is true in a church. And that's why Paul has written so much about unity uh, in the first part of this letter. He says, I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel. Uh, no doubt in establishing that church and working to grow it up when it was first, first planted. Uh, with Clement also, we really don't know who Clement is. He's only mentioned here. Uh, as far as I can tell, it was a common name, so that's, that's okay, but, but this is a man who's identified here as having been helpful to Paul in establishing the church and getting it built up uh, early on, evidently. Uh, help him also uh, with, uh, and with other my fellow laborers. The last part of the verse is wonderful, isn't it? Whose names are where? In the book of life. Uh, is there a literal book of life? I think there is. The Bible talks about it uh, as if it's a literal thing. And uh, evidently, your name has been written down uh, in ink, in permanent ink, in, in the book of life, uh, which records the names of those who have been saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, is there any other way to get your name into that book? I don't think there is. Jesus says he's the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way. Uh, that, that's what he actually said. There's no other way to the Father except through him. That's what he actually said. Uh, that's, that's what the Bible teaches. Aren't you glad to know that? When somebody say, oh, that's, that's terrible. You're looking down every other faith. No, I'm just preaching what the Bible actually says. I'm glad that I can know the one true way. And anybody else who will listen can know the one true way. is grace through faith, which we... we um, we uh, attain, obtain from the Lord when we repent and place our faith in Christ. That's it. It's too simple, Pastor. Well, I'm, aren't you glad it's, it's not more complicated than that? Aren't you glad it's not more complicated than that? I am. <laughs> I'm glad. Uh, my name's written in the book of life. How about yours? Is it in there? Is it in there? It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. Uh, it'll not be blotted out. Mike, it's an amazing thing. Uh, I just, I marvel at that. Uh, I don't deserve to be written down in that book. Your name's in a book, uh, not just any book, this book, amen? Uh, I don't deserve to be written down in that book, but uh, thank, thank the Lord, thank the Lord, he, he made it possible. So um, right relationships here, um, again, just absolutely critically important. We cannot function the way the Lord wants us to and accomplish those things the way that God wants us to uh, cooperating as a united body unless we, we take care to stay reconciled uh, and, and take care to be there for each other to help one another. These are very tightly related ideas, verses 2 and 3. You're not probably going to be inclined to be helpful to someone that you're at war with, right? Doesn't make sense. But if you can, if you can lovingly work out whatever it is that needs to be worked out, you'll find yourself more inclined to be helpful, lovingly, uh, helpful to those individuals in the ministry work that we're all called to together. That's, um, that's number one, really. Number two, uh, Paul called them to a, uh, not only to write relationships, but to write rejoicing, <laughs> to write rejoicing. Um, to stand fast in the Lord uh, is to rejoice persistently, to be persistently standing in the Lord, close to him, relying upon him, uh, walking closely with the Lord, obeying him. To be standing fast in the Lord uh, necessarily, biblically, involves uh, persistently rejoicing in the Lord. This is a command, see verse 4. Uh, here's the command, and it is uh, the grammar of imperative. This is absolutely a, a, a command, and it's a twice-given command uh, grammatically. He says, what's the first word of verse 4, church? Rejoice. Rejoice in the who? When? 
always, always, uh, which literally means at all times. You can think of it as always, right? That's what we might say today, at all times, what it literally means, at all times. No exceptions are given here, uh, and, and none are ever given in Scripture. Uh, to stand fast in the Lord will involve our obedience to be rejoicing in the Lord always, no matter what. Uh, there's, there's, there's no qualifiers here at all. In fact, rather than qualifiers, we find what? A reiteration of the command. He says, rejoice in the Lord always, at all times, and again. Uh, and again, I say what? Rejoice. rejoice, just in case you missed it the first time. By the way, is this the first time this command shows up in this book? No, it's, a, it's, it's one of the themes uh, of this book. If you look back at last chapter, chapter 3, verse 1, look back there. Chapter 3, verse 1, Paul uh, writes under inspiration. He says, finally, my brethren, uh, what? Well, he say, rejoice in the Lord. <laughs> he said it before. He knows he's going to say it again. Uh, and he says there in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, to write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you is safe. He says, I'm, I'm going to be writing the same things to you a number of times. I'm going to be repeating myself kind of like the pastor at Long Hill Baptist Church, Maryland, repeats himself all the time. Paul says, I'm going to be doing that a lot, and it's not grievous to me. It's not, it's not going to bother me. Don't you be bothered by it either. In the repetition, there's safety, he says. Safety from what? Well, maybe safety from disobeying the Lord in, in this area. I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded sometimes what, as what the Bible says. You're the pastor, sure enough, <laughs> sure enough. Don't you need to be reminded? Don't, don't you need to stay in the Bible? Why? Because it kind of falls out, right? It goes in here, it kind of falls out here. You've got to stay in there uh, and keep feeding upon the word of God and be reminded of God's words and allow the Holy Spirit to reiterate and reinforce things in your mind, in your heart, in your life. Here in this book, Paul says, hey, there's safety in that. There, it's, there's, there's safety. Safety from disobedience, the consequences of disobedience. Wednesday night, did we see some consequences of disobedience to the Lord? Did we see some consequences? Sure enough, we did. Uh, if you weren't here or weren't able to watch online, I passed out some CDs this morning. If, if you're not receiving our CDs uh, from Sunday school on Sunday night and Wednesday night and you'd like to receive them, let me know. Okay, Everything's online, but I know some people have difficulty getting online. Uh, or you just don't have a way to do that, let, let us know, okay? Yeah, there's consequences for disobedience, and, and so having some things reinforced and, and reiterated, um, there's, there's safety in that. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 13. He said, this is the third time I'm coming to you. Evidently, he wrote one letter that wasn't inspired. He says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. Well, yeah, we need, we need to hear things uh, more than once. There's biblical principles behind that. Uh, the Bible just repeatedly commands us to obey the Lord in rejoicing. Psalm 2, verse 11, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice. Psalm 32, 11 says, be glad in the Lord and rejoice. Psalm 33 and verse 1 says, rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, uh, rejoice. Go back to our verse here, please. Uh, Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord when? Always. 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 At all times. Um, when is it most easy to be joyful and rejoice? When is it most easy to be joyful and to rejoice? When is that? It's when things are going well, right? <laughs> it's when things are going well. Is, is it relatively more easy to to be joyful and to rejoice when something just great is happening. You know, I don't know, think of something really good. Uh, some blessing has come your way and, and you just, you rejoice. You, you praise God and, and you rejoice. Um, we tend, if we're not careful, to rejoice uh, only in response to blessings or things that we perceive to be blessings. Um, you ever go to the doctor and they tap on your knee? What happens when they tap on your knee? Right? What is that? It's a reflex. Dr. Wade, they still do that? 
It's a reflex, right? It's a, it's a neurological test of your reflexes. Are your reflexes intact? You hope yes, because that's a good thing, right? Not intact, bad thing, right? That's my deep medical understanding, okay? Not intact, bad thing, intact, good thing. It's a reflex. We um, naturally tend to rejoice reflexively in response only to things that we perceive to be blessings. That is not a biblical uh, reflex. That's not a biblical habit. When are we commanded to rejoice, according to this verse? Always. Always. If God's allowing some trial into your life, is that a bad thing or a good thing? It's a good thing, Brother Arch says. And if you're not sure, ask him, because he knows a thing or two about some trials, right? Gary, is it a, is it a blessing when God allows trials into your life? You can rejoice uh, in that. Um, you know, if, if there's any kind of trial in your life, I understand we, we talk about it. Pastor, you repeat yourself, Ed, not. I know. Um, it's a blessing. God's growing us and trying our faith and growing our faith and perfecting us and growing us. Uh, through trials, and so we are called to be rejoicing in the Lord always, not just at those things that anyone naturally would perceive to be good, but always. Um, as the Lord promised, uh, let me ask you this question. Um, is there any possibility that the Lord um, may forsake you? He said, to Paul, I will never leave thee or forsake thee. Uh, he also said to Paul, you know, don't worry about your affliction because my grace is, are these things true or not? They're true, right? They're not just things we say to encourage each other. I mean, they, they should encourage you, but they're also actually true. Amen? They're actually true. And so if those things are true, you always, 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 always have a reason to rejoice. And by the way, even if you can't think of a reason to rejoice, you can say, well, I know in Philippians 4, 4, 4, 4, so it's easy to remember, 4, 4, uh, the Lord's commanded me to rejoice all the time. So I better just do that, even if I can't think of a reason why I should do that. Amen? God said, that's why I'll do it. God said, just rejoice. Well, you can do better than that because you know some reasons to rejoice. Uh, go back to uh, the end of chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Do, are there some reasons to rejoice there? Are there some reasons to rejoice there? Where's your true citizenship? Heaven. And, and these bodies that are getting older and wearing out a little bit, I know some of you are still young. I'm glad for you. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> these bodies for the rest of us that are getting a little older and wearing out and causing us more grief, they're going to be what? Resurrected and glorified and perfected. Um, I, I, I can focus on that and stand fast in the Lord and in doing that find grace to rejoice in the Lord no matter what always. Amen? Can you do that? Uh, Brother Ray, can you do that? We, we choose to rejoice in the Lord always, even when there's crazy political stuff going on, uh, even when there's crazy virus stuff going on. That's a, that's a medical term, Brother Wade, doctor, crazy virus stuff, medical terminology. Um, even if the election didn't go our way, whatever way is your way, um, even if you're sick, even if you're struggling financially, um, even if what? Fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. You can choose to rejoice. Now, by the way, if you do that, who will that help? If, if, if you just look to the Lord and say, okay, God, I know you're working in these trials, all of them. By the way, is God working in all those trials? Amen. <laughs> um, and you choose to rejoice. Who's that going to help? Who's that going to help? Who's it going to help? It's going to help you. You'll be praising God. I'm just rejoicing. Rejoicing God. He's, sure enough, he's a lot of trial in my life. I know he's working in it. Uh, he's growing me. He's perfecting me. I'm going to come out of the other side of this trial with stronger faith. 
uh, in a testimony. I could share it on Wednesday night. Amen. <laughs> and um, praise God. He's, he's working in my life. He's not a far off, far away God. He's present, imminent in my life, working in my life to grow me, to perfect me for his honor and his glory. Who else, who else benefits when we rejoice? Who else? Me and who else? The Lord. Anybody else? Anybody else? All those around us. Amen. You know, it's a loving thing. If you'll be obedient and rejoice through the, through the heart of a trial, it's loving because it's obedient to God, but it's also loving to fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. You just rejoice. You're not saying, oh, this is easy, therefore I'll you, you just... People know your trial's hard, but you rejoice anyway. That'll be an encouragement to brothers and sisters in Christ who maybe are going through an, a trial of their own or, or who maybe will go through a trial similar to yours down the road. If they, if they could think back, hey, I remember when Brother Art was going through that thing, and, you know, I know it had to be hard. He didn't make it look hard. He made it look easy, but I know it wasn't easy. Uh, he, he just continued to rejoice Sorry, brother, you're like my go-to example now. I picked on Gary for too long. i got to come back to you. Um, my brother was able to just keep on rejoicing, and, man, it looked like God blessed him for that. Maybe I can do that too. Is that loving? Is that loving? It's loving to you, and it's loving to God. Sure enough, because it's obedient. Because obedience to Philippians 4.4 requires rejoicing in the Lord when? Can you? Can you? You can. Why? Because you have the Lord in you, right? He's in, in you. <laughs> He's in you. He's the same one who spoke creation into existence. He's got that kind of power. Listen, um, sometimes we, we disobey, verse 4, all of us, right? What do you do? Confess that. Lord, I confess that. And ask him for grace to rejoice. And, and when, when you find a brother or sister in Christ complaining, by the way, that's always sin, amen? If you're complaining, you're ultimately complaining about whom? If you're complaining, you're ultimately complaining about whom? Who? Because he's in control. He's sovereign, right? It's the Lord. Don't do that. If you're complaining rather than rejoicing, uh, that sin needs to be confessed. And uh, we need to remind each other of that in a loving way. You know, you're complaining lovingly, 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 in a way that's easy to be entreated. Um, call your brother or sister in Christ to put that off and to put on rejoicing in its place. And Pastor, people think I'm weird. It's not natural to rejoice when I'm going through a really, really tough time. You know what I say? You're right. It's supernatural. It's supernatural. And uh, you'll benefit supernaturally, and the Lord will benefit, and other people might want to know more about it's, how it's possible for you, and might it open a door to share the gospel? Might it? If, if you're weird like that? <laughs> it might. You can pray that. You can pray that. Um, and, and praying that is, by the way, if you struggle, if you struggle, which would be natural, if you struggle to rejoice the face of trials, uh, the biblical answer is to pray, of course. Um, in, write down a couple verses, please. In Psalm 86 and verse 4, the psalmist prayed, Rejoice the soul of thy servant. He's praying to the Lord, of course. Lord, rejoice the soul of thy servant. For unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Pray. In Psalm 55 and, no, 51 and verse 12, the psalmist prayed, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. 
and uphold me with thy free spirit. That's David's prayer after he was confronted by Nathan regarding his sin with Bathsheba. After David confessed his sin to the Lord, he said, Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Uh, It's possible that unconfessed sin in our lives inhibits or discourages us from rejoicing in the Lord always? Sure it is. Sure it is. Uh, and, And I think you see exactly that in Psalm 51. David was confronted by Nathan about his sin. By the way, faithful people will lovingly confront each other, not attacking each other, but lovingly confronting each other privately and encouraging repentance and the rejoicing that is possible when sin has been dealt with in our lives. Um, Do you think this morning that any of us might have any sin in our lives that is discouraging or inhibiting us from rejoicing as fully as the Lord desires today. Is it possible? Is it possible? I'm saying some of us, but it's possible that all of us have some something. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, but it certainly it certainly could be the case. Maybe, maybe the sin is just a habit of unthankfulness, ingratitude, uh, a habit of complaining more than rejoicing. Sometimes you have, you have to confess a sinful habit. They're the hardest thing to break, right? But you're indwelt by who? The Lord. <laughs> the one, who, again, who spoke creation into existence. He's got that much power, and, and he's indwelling us. The Spirit, yes, but the Father and the Son also. Uh, he, we can find strength to confess any sin. Uh, to confess even a, a sinful habit that's a long-standing, difficult habit uh, and, and put that off, not in our strength, but in God's, and, and put on a new habit of rejoicing in the Lord. When? Always, no matter what. There's no qualifiers. Um, Lord, help us to do just that. Help us to do that. Sure, we have some things we could complain about, but that's sin. Lord, help us to be prayerful and thankful and joyful and rejoicing in you, knowing that you are at work in everything that you permit in my life. I plan to go further this morning, but I think we'll stop right there. Let's stop right there and pray, please. Father, I ask you this morning... Um, to work in our hearts, as I believe you have been this morning. Lord, it's so easy, as you well know, to have a a habit of complaining and and just the opposite of rejoicing. Lord, we understand this morning that that's sin. It's not consistent with gratitude for our salvation. It's certainly not consistent with standing fast in our walk with you. It's disobedience. Lord, I thank you this morning that we can find grace in you to obey you. And Lord, that often begins with simply being willing to confess sin, to confess complaining, to confess ingratitude, dissatisfaction, Anything else, Lord, that you may impress upon our hearts. Lord, I pray this morning that you'd work in our hearts now. Maybe there's a relationship that needs to be reconciled. Lord, impress that upon our hearts. Give us grace and strength to go to that person lovingly and talk it out graciously. Give us grace to forgive, Lord, where that's needed. Lord, give us grace to be a loving help to one another. And yes, give us grace this morning, Lord, to rejoice in you always, no matter what. 
Lord, if there's some sin inhibiting our joy and rejoicing this morning, I pray that we would confess that, that you'd search our hearts and shine a light upon that. Bring that to the front of our minds this morning. Give us, give us a heart to confess that, to put it off and to put on obedience to you in its place. And Lord, to rejoice this morning, to rejoice in the wonderful privilege we have to come boldly and to get right with you, to rejoice in that and to choose to rejoice in the trials and difficulties, knowing that you're at work in them and knowing this morning that um, when this life is over, when these difficulties are done, we're at home with you and we have so very much to look forward to. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Give you a moment while heads are still bowed, eyes are still closed to pray. I want to thank you so much this morning for the love that you shower upon us. Thank you for your grace that you make so abundantly available to us. Thank you, Lord, for the peace that we know when we confess sin and, and get right with you. And thank you, Lord, that uh, we can choose to lead a life that is filled with rejoicing this morning. Lord, it's a joy to be able to rejoice and to know that you make that possible. Father, help us to focus on our hope, the certain hope that we know in Christ. Lord, help us to look to you for all that we need in difficult days like these. And no matter what, to continue rejoicing, knowing, knowing our end in Christ is a wonderful one indeed. Father, I love you this morning. I thank you for who you are, for what you're like. Thank you for your only begotten Son, my Savior. Lord, I thank you this morning that anyone that would turn to him and place their faith in him for forgiveness of sin finds just that, forgiveness of sin, e eternal life, a new creature in Christ. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name.